Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, one of the most successful biotech companies to emerge from British Columbia in recent years, well, it's known for seizing up on antibodies to treat cancer. The company went public back in 2017, raising nearly $60 million US at the time. And with us to discuss Zymeworks, as well as growth in BC's life sciences sector, it is CEO Ali Tarani. Ali, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to speak with you. So I alluded to, you know, you guys have this specialty in antibodies, uh, but say if you have to explain it to a, a class full of kindergartners, what is Zymeworks's specialty here? Well, uh, let's take a half step back and talk about what many of us in British Columbia are trying to achieve in the field of antibodies. Quite simply put, our bodies defend us against many different um, diseases, viruses, bacteria, such as the coronavirus, COVID-19, using a protein called an antibody. Think of it as the body's soldiers. And the job of the antibodies is to, using the bloodstream, go through the body and look for foreign entities that are not supposed to be there. And once these are found, whether it's a virus or a bacteria or anything else, the antibody's job is to, to attack. So think of it as a seek and attack mechanism. Now, when it comes to cancer, antibodies often ignore. Their um, modus operandi is when they come across a cancer cell is to say, ah, okay, that's a cancer cell but I'm just gonna walk away and go around you. And the reason for that is cancer cells start as body's own cells, different organs, different tissues, that stop following the orders that they have using their DNA. So they go rogue. And when they go rogue, a cell that was part of maybe lung or maybe the stomach or any other tissue that no longer follows the orders it had, it becomes a cancer cell. So when an antibody comes next to it, it goes, you're one of us. I recognize you as, you know, one of my friends from yesterday. I can't tell the difference that you've gone rogue, so I'm just going to get around you. So companies like Zymeworks, they're focused on giving that new set of intelligence, that new set of orders to antibodies to be able to differentiate from yesterday's friend to tomorrow's enemy. And suddenly an antibody goes... Yeah, I know you were my friend yesterday, but you suddenly turned an, into an enemy. You are now a cancer cell. You no longer are with us. I am going to attack you. So our jobs is to really give a new level of intelligence, a new level of opportunity to antibodies in companies like Zymorx, or better yet, many of you are familiar with Epcelera in the sort of the corona uh, virus uh, fight who are now giving new capabilities to antibodies to do their job in defending us. Is there kind of like this easy way of pinpointing how you guys are able to help out antibodies with regards to something that is incredibly complex, but it's still fascinating what you guys are getting up to now? So the best way to think about it is when I talk about orders given to a cell or to an antibody, those orders are set in the DNA, in the genes. Our jobs are in what separates Zymorx from 
its peers or colleagues is how we go back and what we call we do protein engineering by changing the DNA code. So quite simply for, for your audience, what we do, very similar to a regular engineering firm that is tasked to build a building or a new car or a new spaceship that is going to Mars, their job is to engineer a vehicle to think the process to really at the fundamentals, think about the solution to the need, to the problem. In our case, we look at an antibody that is in your body or my body, and we think about what we want it to do. Then exactly like an engineering firm, we start thinking about what in the antibody needs to be changed to give it a new functionality, to give it a new capability. And then once that is deciphered, then we introduce that change through the DNA code. And we make a change to the DNA and a new antibody is produced capable of new activities. So you're right, it is quite complex, it's quite scientifically complex, but the good news for everyone is that level of thinking is happening in British Columbia. That level of thinking is happening in Canada that is world changing. We are now capable of essentially evolving the immune system at every level to really tackle what's in front of us, whether it's cancer, whether it's autoimmune disorders, whether it's COVID-19. Well, tell me then, how does a company like Zymeworks get its start here in British Columbia? Because we're looking at how much, you know, BC is really becoming this leader in the in life sciences. I want to know a little bit more about Zymeworks and how you guys got your start. I uh, co-founded Zymeworks back in 2004. And if you go back to 2004, what has remained constant in British Columbia to today is we've always had really incredible, bright people capable of changing the world, whether it's you know, my colleagues and my friends at Zymeworks or other companies that now have become very notable. The difference is we've had to have that uphill battle to really showcase why we belong on a world stage where the world in British Columbia and Canada was really focused on natural resource sectors or the film industry or other things, it was always thought about that, well, we couldn't really compete on the, on the world stage. But today, of course, fast forward to 2020 and 2021, we show that we have more above billion dollar market cap biotech companies in British Columbia than we have in the rest of Canada in totality between Zymeworks, between Abcelera, between Arania, we have three north of a billion dollar market cap companies in biotech. And this goes to show you that the seed, the talent was always there. We were just having to get to this point. And now we're finally showing that we're not a one-off. This was not a lucky event because one company is lucky. Two is not luck anymore. Three is definitely not luck. And we've got four, five, six, and seven on its way. And I, I think if we want to kind of circle in on why these companies are emerging here, but but that talent aspect, people are being drawn to the educational institutions here in British Columbia. It's a nice place to live, of course, here in Vancouver. How has that talent aspect kind of been critical into ensuring that we do have companies that are capable of growth, capable of attracting, you know, they say, you know, talent brings on more talent. How has that been such a critical factor over the last few years? Well, there's been sort of two buckets, people 
who've always believed in UBC and SFU and other universities across Canada, and they simply didn't want to leave, and they wanted the opportunity to stay. So that is stopping the brain drain, and then there is reversing the brain drain. We've had some of the best talent decide to invest their scientific careers at UBC, SFU, just to stick to uh, Vancouver for a second. And they were always wanted the chance to stay, always wanted to give back to Canada, to British Columbia by not leaving. Now we have companies, now we have critical mass that is enabled to hire them, give them a chance to shine, give them a chance to grow. At the same time, because of our success, we've been able to bring talent. We've been able to bring you know, talent that historically has stayed in the United States or in Europe. Uh, our friends south of the border, our American citizens, European citizens now feel like that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. Again, I can't stress this enough that in terms of that raw talent, we have it. British Columbia can be a knowledge-based economy, can really have a knowledge-based economy that thrives right next to the natural resources and doesn't have to be in competition with one another. A knowledge-based economy can help healthcare, it can help the natural resources sector, it can help all the sectors. And in fact, our sector in the healthcare sector has been the most steady through the pandemic in terms of creating jobs, helping people have a career and not kind of uh, being in that situation that the other sectors have seen. I'm curious. So, so I'm covering the technology beat here at Business in Vancouver newspaper. I'm speaking to a lot of companies that are saying, you know what, we're just going to go remote, you know, 100% of the time. Maybe we'll have an office meeting once a, once a month or something like that. I don't think it quite works that way in life sciences when you're trying to attract talents and you need to get them into Canada, work side by side. Is that going to be a bit of a challenge just kind of convincing people to come here? Or is that maybe easier than we would think? Uh, I, I think the world has changed, Tyler. I think what this pandemic has shown is that there's, there was an evolution needed from the nine to five Monday to Friday. We have learned that the future is not going to be what it used to be starting in the 1900s where people walked in and you know they checked in and they checked out at the end of the day with a little time card. We don't just work. No one just works 40 hours a day anymore or 40 hours a week anymore. Apologies. People work a lot more than 40 hours now, and they may not know it, but they're pushing those limits. So now we have to evolve with it. The infrastructure has to evolve with it. We have to find that work-life balance. And whether that is, you know, some days in the office and some days away or remote, it is on us as employers. It is us, uh, on us as entrepreneurs to figure out the ways of the future versus the ways of the past. Is it going to be a bit of a balancing act, though? You know, I, I, I just that there's that collaborative aspect that you get from being side by side with your colleagues that you don't necessarily get if you're kind of planted in front of your Absolutely. computer for much of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there no one would disagree with me that we're all having Zoom fatigue and camera fatigue. And there is something to be said about problem solving together in the same room. There's something to be said about that chance interaction of bumping into one another and having a conversation. So some industries can have everything be remote, but 
in our sector, we do see a hybrid solution where there is going to be a number of days where you get to focus at home and do what you have to, and a number of days that you will be hopefully once you know it's safe, everyone together so you can really problem solve, really be focused. I, I truly believe there will be a hybrid solution and you have to be open-minded and accepting and go into it with an open arm. Thinking about the business side of Zymeworks over the last few years, I, I mentioned it, uh, 2017, you guys uh, had that big IPO. Um, what was the thought process there about you know raising that capital, using it to fund what you guys need to do? Uh, it, was it a bit of a daunting challenge? Was it something uh, you're still kind of reflecting back on and excited that you guys were able to do such oh, a cool uh, thing? The IPO was um, a bit of a graduation and we're about to go through another graduation. When, when we went public, we were the first company in 10 years in all of Canada to do a list. We listed on the TSX and the New York Stock Exchange. And in fact, uh, that sum that we raised in 2017 got eclipsed by the amount we raised last year publicly. We raised over $300 million in January of 2020. So we've learned that Zymorks now is on a different stage, that worldwide there are investors and shareholders that really see what we're doing and how we're gonna change the landscape of cancer, specifically in breast cancer and stomach cancer to begin with followed by a number of different tumor types. For us, the next graduation that is in front of us is graduating from a clinical stage company, meaning we have therapeutics that are in human clinical trials around the world to a commercial stage company. We're on track to submit uh, our first application for approval to the US FDA next year. And that graduation is another milestone in the company's history from having started as a platform company to a preclinical stage, meaning that we were testing uh, outside of human subjects to human patients to now getting ready to have potentially our first drug available to patients around the world on becoming a commercial stage. And that is all happening headquartered here. This is, this is a new era. This is a new dawn of what can be expected out of biotech, out of Canadian innovation, British Columbian innovation. This is, this is a new era. Well, the other thing that's interesting though, is when we think about all the attention that's been paid to the life sciences sector globally over the last year, especially, I, I'm wondering if that is reorienting, say, investors, taking another look at a lot of life sciences companies. Do you anticipate, you know, even more investment dollars pouring in, not necessarily for you folks, you know, but maybe for some of those startups that are out there, Absolutely. the ones that are just getting their starts? Absolutely. I think um, a bunch of us have shown it is possible. That is not a one-off, that we were not the ones that got lucky or this or that, that this is a reality. Look, if you just think about the headcount Zymeworks added, the number of jobs we created. At the end of 2015, we were 71 people. By the end of 2020, we were 369 people. And by the end of this year, we will be over 400 people. And this is, these are high paying knowledge-based jobs that have a sense of security through something like a pandemic. This is, a, this is something that could really be viewed as 
as other companies get to this point of this is really possible here, then this is not just for our friends down south. Investors get excited about this when there's outcome, when you have commercial product, when you have really been in a position to return on investment to provide that. It paves the path for others. What are some of the challenges that you see startups dealing with? Maybe you'll have to kind of put on your cap from, uh, you know, maybe 15 years ago and think about what you're facing now and, and applying that to what might be some of the issues, you know, today. But but what are some of the big challenges? Um, twofold. One is we have um, tremendous amount of what I call expertise in Canada and British Columbia, people that are really smart, people that are really knowledgeable in their specific scientific engineering fields. What we're missing is experience. And expertise and experience are two different things, and it takes time to build experience. So we need more been there, done that executives that could really come in and help build and, and, and mentor people that have the capability. Great tennis players still have coaches. Great basketball players in the NBA still have coaches and a coaching staff. They don't go, well, we're all great. We know what we're doing. We don't need anyone. We're missing those coaches. And they're going to come. Existing companies, you know, the executives can become coaches themselves. The second bucket is it's a mentality change. We've been uh, really happy with uh, uh, an effort ribbon, as I call it. Great job for trying, but our mentality needs to change that. Let's go for it and become number one. We've been too busy telling our entrepreneurs, give me a business plan that shows how you're going to do something special. And the minute they do, we tell them, now tell me how quickly can you sell? How quickly can you be exited? The word exit needs to become a think of a past and the word build the word the word anchor needs to be in in the front of our mind you we don't tell our children listen you know do really good at school and then you know when they come with a, a grade you're like well that's good enough you know don't try anymore you know be a solid c student that's all we need uh, so I've been writing about this last uh, since the start of the year. We've got a lot of uh, cheap capital out there. We, we've got a lot of people, you know, sitting on um, a lot of investment dollars, and I, I think some Canadian tech companies. Uh, I'm speaking, you know, digital technology specifically. We've seen some big, big exits, and there is kind of like this cultural mentality that I think Canada has a reputation for about maybe exiting too early. Do you think that there's going to have to be kind of a big cultural change within business for us Absolutely. to kind of shift. Yeah. Support our entrepreneurs. And when they become successful, don't make the job harder on them. We tend to be really great at supporting the lift, the underdog. But the minute the underdog gets to a certain point of success, we're like, whoa, you know, now you're becoming too successful. And how do we get a piece of it by increased taxation or by putting more things in front of you versus helping you grow? Companies like Shopify, if you're going to use as, as a tech example, they are a symbol of what can be done in Canada. So we should look at how we can 
pave the path for them versus going, now you're too big and you're a big corporate entity. We need to go, how, how do we help you increase that? And when we look at opportunities that we have today in biotech and other sectors, we need to think about it the same way. Well, Ali, I'll leave you off with this, though. That, that, kind of a broad question, but what excites you most about of biosciences or biotech here in British Columbia? I would like to tell everyone that, especially those that might be battling cancer, those that are battling really painful, difficult diseases, the future is really bright. There is an incredible amount of innovation underway. There is an incredible amount of folks that are dedicating their careers to changing the lives of patients everywhere. I'm excited for the next year. I'm excited for the next 10 years uh, in how we look at something as debilitating as cancer and how that's going to change. And that is happening because of Canadian innovation, because of Canadian mentality, and we have to be very proud and supportive of that. Some absolutely fascinating stuff that you folks are up to at Zymeworks Alley, and I can't wait to talk to you more in the coming months, coming years, as you guys progress here. But for now, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. And that's Ali Tarani. He is CEO of Zymeworks, and that is it for us. But you can find more interviews and more stories at BIV.com. I just want to thank everyone for listening. For now, I'm Tyler Orton.